The Automotive News Europe podcast is brought to you by Atal Design, your premium mobility and product design partner since 1968. Atal Design inspires, integrates, develops, and produces the most cutting-edge solutions around its customers' visions. Hello and welcome to the Automotive News Europe podcast for July 29th. 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at a and We're very happy you decided to join us today. The European Union sent a clear message to automakers in July that the combustion engine has no future in the region. Automakers now have a clear deadline to meet to achieve the overarching goals of the EU's so-called Green Deal. Automotive News Europe associate publisher and editor Luca Ciferri has been covering the major changes impacting the industry for decades, so he has deep insights to share on what the EU's climate package really means to the industry. Hi, Luca. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Doug. Thanks for hosting me, and I hope to be able to add some value to our readers and listeners. Were you surprised by the bold targets included in the European Union's new climate package? Honestly, I was not. Since May, we had continuous leaks. No surprise at the time of the announcement. We had already reported everything in advance, thanks also to the great work of the wires. Congratulations on the EU Communication Department. They were able to get the message delivered even before announcing it. But honestly, it was in the air. In February, Jaguar said it will be only electric from 2025. In March came Volvo said it will be EV only from 2030. In March, also Ford of Europe said it will be battery only from 2030. Then in the week before the announcement of the EU, we had Audi uh, in June that said they would be EV only in Europe by 2033 and that from 2026, they will launch globally only electric cars. And in June also came Volkswagen uh, brand saying that in Europe there will be battery electric only vehicle between 2032 and 2035. So it was already there. Better to announce it as your forward-looking ambition rather than simply obeying to a new law. In a nutshell, can you let us know what the climate package means for automakers? Out of the 246-page European Union document, I selected seven points. Number one, the strongest point is zero emission from 2035 for passenger car and light commercial vehicles, which means only battery electric and hydrogen-powered car, cars and, and LCDs. Secondly, the 2025 target was not changed because the injury is allowed five years before any new regulation is enforced. The third point is uh, the 2030 target... Uh, is moving from a reduction of 37.5% in the previous proposal to 55, which means about 42.5 gram kilometer of CO2. That means only plug-in hybrids and battery electric vehicles would be permitted on the market by the end of this decade. Number four, any type of incentive for the EU Z0 and low emission vehicles, so everything below 50 gram should be removed after 2030. Uh, an important piece is from 2030, small manufacturing derogation only up to car makers that register below 1,000 units in the EU. 
mainly Bugatti and a few others, but uh, Ferrari, Lamborghini, um, and other sports car makers should comply to zero emission by law. Uh, and the, the sixth point is very interesting. Real-world fuel and energy consumption reported by OEMs and member states to the EU by 2022 that will publish then the following year. So we will know after the new onboard diagnostic was installed in new cars and vans sold in the union since the beginning of this year, the real fuel consumption, the deep debate if the plug-in hybrids are effective or not effective in terms of CO2 reduction will be finally solved with real data. And last but not least, uh, the EU also gave a guideline of uh, how many charging points they want in place. It's 3.5 by 2030 and 16.3 million by 2050, much needed. What has the reaction been like from Automotive Industry Association, ASEA, and Europe Supplier Association, CLEPA, as well as the industry experts you speak with? The official line is strong opposition. Uh, banning a single technology is not a rational way forward at this stage, the, the ASEA, the Association of European Automakers said. That, uh, they added that without significant increased effort by all stakeholders, including member states and all involved sector, the proposed target is simply not viable, according to ASEA. European Supplier Association CLEPA said that 2035 ban is not the most effective or efficient way to climb a neutral transport in the EU. It may not even get us there, they said. In their view, the priority should be renewable fuels and electricity, not a ban on technology. So this is the official line. Uh, when 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 you talk with the with the people, they basically say they knew it was coming and they're already working on a challenging homework to do, and and is to reach this target by 14 years from now, which is by the way extremely aggressive, uh, puts Europe uh, on the forefront of electrification everywhere will offer a competitive advantage to the industry and the suppliers because we'll move first and faster than others, but there is a price to pay, is not a smooth transition. What are the most logical arguments you're hearing from opponents of the package? The charging infrastructure is, uh, is the biggest one, and, uh, and I think they are right, is something on which it is not fair to blame automakers and suppliers. And the second main issue is the job that could get lost. I have no figures to believe on this. You know, automakers, suppliers, and trade bodies warned that the switch to electrification will kill X thousand jobs. Then when a country is adding one or more gigafactory for batteries, they claim X thousand jobs will be added. So what could be the final balance between job lost and added? I have no idea at all, Doug. But if we went to coach builders and horse breeders at the beginning of the 19th century, they would have told of millions of jobs lost in their sector due to rival the automobile. Nevertheless, the automobile industry, its suppliers and dealers are probably the single largest employer of all the world for the last century at least. We'll continue our conversation with Automotive News Europe Associate Publisher and Editor Luca Ciaferi after this message. Since 1968, Atal Design has been pioneering the road of mobility, putting forward distinctive design and innovative technological solutions. 
Itel Design knows how to implement customers' ideas, creating iconic and functional products that effectively improve the approach to mobility. Itel Design today offers services to support customers in achieving their targets, styling and creativity with virtual reality and immersive user experience. Vehicle development from components to whole product, from concept to production, electric and electronics development, and artificial intelligence serving each traction, vehicle network. HMI, and autonomous driving, assembly and construction of models, show cars, prototypes, and small series. Ital Design adopts a flexible approach to match products and services to customer needs, providing lean development process to established OEMs, acting as a system integrator and technology enabler with newcomers and defining product creation processes and strategies to startups. Ital Design inspires the most cutting-edge solutions around its customers' visions, paving the way towards a better life for all. To learn more about how Ital Design moves the industry, visit its website at www.italdesign.it. Do you think these tougher targets have anything to do with the frayed relations between Brussels and automakers that resulted from the Volkswagen diesel emissions cheating scandal? I could bet my house and your house, Doc, that it was exactly the case. After the diesel scandal, the entire auto industry lost credibility with the EU. And I'm sure that some of the grounded objections they made in Brussels were not even heard. Not because they were ungrounded, simply because the EU, right or wrong, did not want to hear from these people anymore. But if I can make another bet, I'm convinced that it will take two years to have this new regulation finally approved, but I'm pretty sure it will not be watered down. Climate change is here, like or dislike it. From your perspective, who are the biggest winners and who are the biggest losers? It's too early to say, Doug. From what I've seen so far, who designed battery electric vehicle architecture from scratch seems to be on pole position today. I see Hyundai with the Ionic 5 and Kia with the EV6 very well positioned today, but in two, three years' time, we could see a completely different picture. Toyota is late on BEVs, but remains the world's largest automaker with almost unlimited financial resources, so I expect them to catch up quickly. I honestly was a bit unimpressed from Volkswagen Group new MEB architecture, born electric, but trailing behind Hyundai and Kia on many aspects. Thus, I was not so surprised that Volkswagen will launch a brand new BEV-only architecture already in 2025. Do you anticipate relations between automakers could also start to be strained when you have someone such as Volvo welcoming the tougher rules, which is a little bit out of step with what ASEA was saying? I don't think so, Doug. I have not seen any true opposition for any automaker. Everyone knew it was coming. I think automakers are looking to this new regulation having in mind those nice words from a song that says, if you cannot be with the one you love, love the one you with. Now, does this mean that it's going to be easier for EV startups, especially from countries such as China, to start competing in Europe? EV startups have a great advantage. No internal combustion engine legacy cost to be written off. But at the same time, many of them are pretty weak on the financial side. So it is hard to invest to grow their size and their geographical footprint. 
Tesla is probably the exception on the rule on this side. Clearly, China has a competitive advantage, not only for the lower labor cost, but also for having plenty of battery cell production and battery cell technology. How confident are you that all of Europe, especially countries such as Poland and Hungary, can make this transition in this period of time? One million euros question, Doug. I cannot even be confident Italy will make this transition in this period of time. It is a challenge not only for Central and Eastern Europe, but also for Southern Europe. If you could add a piece of legislation to this package, what would it be? A fine system for countries which do not put in place a public charging infrastructure at the due time and would impose granularity. Uh, the EU gave it some clear guidelines in uh, its uh, 186 page, said a proposal legislation that requires countries to install public charging points no more than 60 km apart on major roads by 2025, and it foresees 3.5 million public charging stations by 2030, rising to 16.3 million by 2050. So, why it is fair that AU finds the automakers that do not respect their emission uh, limits, I think would be fair also to have the EU that uh, finds country which do not implement the charging infrastructure as planned. As a reference, the EU estimates that 80 to 120 billion euros will be needed to be spent on public and private charges across Europe by 2040. So also countries has to make a huge homework, not only in the industry and their suppliers. You know for a fact the infrastructure continues to be a challenge in Europe because you are a new owner of an electric vehicle. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the struggles you've already faced when it comes to charging your new car? It's an absolute nightmare, uh, not only because the, the public charging infrastructure is, is poor, but is not well maintained. Uh, on Sunday, I had to recharge my car, and the only uh, fast charging station was out of order, and I have to move to another one not far with uh, low charging speed under heavy rain, and it stopped two times. Uh, uh, all app uh, needs uh, its own authentication, its own paying system. So it's still very green, the entire ecosystem of owning and running an electric car. I'm sure that digital service will progress quickly and will reach a fantastic level. But as a tech-avid consumer, uh, we are still at Stone Age for what concern running an electric car and recharging with an app. It does appear it's going to be quite some time before this infrastructure issue is completely solved. Well, Luca, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Zach, and hope to join you again. We reached Luca Ciaferi at his office in Turin. If you have an idea for a future podcast or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at dbolduck at autonews.com. For breaking news, please visit europe.autonews.com. You can listen to this podcast and a range of others from the Automotive News Group on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play or on our website at europe.autonews.com. 
autonews.com. That wraps up this episode of the Automotive News Europe podcast for July 29th, 2021. A quick housekeeping note, the a e podcast will be taking a summer break in August. We will resume the podcast on Thursday, September 2nd. Until then, I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at a e Please stay safe, and we'll be back with more episodes very soon.